All right, let's go ahead and get started. I think my breath is back. So we are in the middle of a series. We are actually traveling through the Gospel of Mark. This is week 17 of the series, and we are in chapter 3. Today we're going to look at verses 31 through 35. And um, our text today reveals an encounter uh, that... Quite honestly, for many who were there and listening to it, and even as we read the scripture today, uh, for many it was difficult to receive. Uh, And very likely, I'm very much sure, the intentions of our Lord in the words that he has to say here uh, were misunderstood by uh, some in the setting and uh, misrepresentative, misrepresented, and even today, as we read through this passage, at times different people who have read through this passage and study this passage uh, consider these verses uh, to be difficult to comprehend and even difficult for some uh, to accept. And so, examining the context of this passage today, in other words, examining what is actually happening around this passage, happening in in the environment there at that moment, is very important if we're going to properly discern uh, the true meaning uh, of what Jesus is saying here today. Now, I want you to realize something, okay, and you, as we've been traveling through this, Jesus as we've seen, has faced continuous opposition from the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. Uh, They were determined in this this context, okay, they were determined uh, to follow him everywhere he went, and the reasoning for following him is they were seeking for any means of accusation through which they could justify their condemnation of him. And so as we've discovered over the past couple weeks, uh, this skepticism that was uh, found in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and all of these religious leaders that were following, they were, it was not only found just in them, all right? Uh, unfortunately, as we discovered in the last couple weeks, this uh, skepticism, this, this struggle, had even traveled into or affected his family and his friends. If we go back to verse 21. So what I'd like to do today, before we get too deep into the actual subject, is I'd like to just take a moment to describe the setting for the passage today, okay? And I want you to, I want you to get the setting before we get into what Jesus is actually teaching. So the Lord, up to this point, the Lord had been accused of working through the power of Satan. We discovered that. Remember that? The Pharisees had accused him uh, of working through the power of Satan, and immediately following that, there was an attempt by his family uh, to bring him home. Uh, It's apparent that at face value... All right, it seems like that his family believed Jesus had lost his mind. All right, and he needed to come home to avoid any more embarrassment. Have any of you ever been embarrassed by a family member? 
Have any of you ever embarrassed a family member? All right. Well, for whatever reason, Jesus' family, they are concerned about Jesus, all right? And so following these unsettling encounters, we find Jesus, even though they are trying to get him to come home, continuing to teach the people. And I imagine some were eager to learn from him, and they were, in this setting here, they were sitting up around close to the Lord, trying to get in as close as they possibly could. And likely a little bit further back are some who are maybe skeptical a little bit, but they're curious about Jesus. So in this crowd that's with him in this passage, and no doubt the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Herodians, they're all looming in the background, always close enough uh, to hear what Jesus says. Now, the crowd is also, there's no doubt that the crowd is probably rather large in this passage here, okay? And Jesus is surrounded by a multitude of people, and somewhere on the fringes of the crowd, the family of Jesus had come, all right? Now, apparently, in a further attempt to convince him yet again, as they've done the last couple weeks, to come home. And so it's important to keep all this in mind as we move through these challenging verses. So let's just take a few moments to discuss the lessons revealed in this text today, understanding that Jesus is teaching, and there are those who want to learn from him, sitting the closest around him. There are also those in the crowd that are curious, but maybe a little skeptical. There are obviously those in the crowd that don't like what he's teaching, that want to take him down. And then mom and dad, or mom, not dad, mom and brothers and maybe sisters are somewhere on the outskirts, not quite up close enough to maybe see Jesus, but within hearing distance, okay? And so let's look at this passage today. The first that I want to look at is I want to look at verse 31. And this, this begins what I would consider to be the request of Jesus' family. So, so the scene, all right, we're going to pretend like we're in a play kind of. The scene opens and we find the family of Jesus asking something of Jesus. And so in verse 31, it says, his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. So as Jesus taught the crowd that day, his family had gathered somewhere near the back of the crowd. They're standing on the outside. It's possible that they stood close enough to hear his voice, but maybe they were unable to see Jesus. I can imagine Jesus maybe uh, seeing someone near the back of the crowd, leaning back, listening uh, to someone behind them, you know, whispering something because they're trying to get Jesus' attention. And after a brief moment, that person taps someone on the shoulder, seated in front of him, and he shares what he shared and then slowly the message makes its way to the front of the gathering and the family of Jesus, his brothers and then his mothers and sisters, they're standing on the fringes of the crowd and they're calling Jesus to come to him. Hey, hey, 
can, 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 can you get, can you get, tell mom, mom and brothers, Jesus, can you tell Jesus, tell him to come back here. We want, we want to see him. Tell him to come back to us, okay? We want to talk to him a little bit. And so in verse 32, it goes on and it says, a crowd was sitting around him and they told him, look, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside they're over there, and they're asking for you. And so as the message makes its way to the front of the crowd, the people begin to tell Jesus, hey, your mother and your brothers and your family, they're waiting beyond the crowd. They're seeking for you to come out to them. So, so far, we have discussed nothing that is difficult to understand here. There's nothing theological about this so far, is there? Not really, okay? Jesus... He's in there talking. Mom and family, they're on the outside, and they're trying to get Jesus. You know, maybe one of the brothers is standing in the back of the crowd going, I would blow my whistle like that, but I can't. And Jesus, he is teaching the people. And as Jesus teaches the people, his family is trying to draw him there, and there's a request that's made to Jesus in a public manner as he's teaching. As the people convey the message, they fully, I believe, understanding the culture, understanding the importance of family during this period of time, as the people are conveying this message, I am completely convinced that they fully accepted or expected Jesus to stop what he was doing and go talk to his family. That's what, that's what you would do normally, wouldn't you? I mean, I mean, if my family needs me, you know, what am I going to do? If I'm, if I, I, don't, I don't know if it's an emergency. I don't know if somebody's uh, sick, in trouble. If, if, I'm, if, I'm, doing, if, I'm, if I'm talking and, and, and somebody has taken enough effort to come up and interrupt me and tell me your family needs you. I'm going to go, okay, everybody, just a minute. Let me go see what's going on out here. Let me go check it out. That would have been the normal, that would have been the acceptable thing. Those present that day, they would have more than likely understood the need. Family was considered to be the most important aspect of society. They fully expected that the Lord would abandon whatever he was currently engaged in and go and be with his family. However, what we discover in this passage today is Jesus' response to the request of his family is not as was expected. I am certain it wasn't the people or his family, it wasn't the response that they expected to hear. And so these verses continue to cause confusion and uncertainty because the way Jesus responds here doesn't seem natural. But we must look at them in their context. They actually provides clear, it actually provides, when we look at the context, it provides clear biblical instruction. So verse 33, let's move on. It says, 
he replied to them, who are my mother and brother? Who are my mother and brothers? So let's, let's paint this again. Jesus is speaking. People interrupt him. Mom and brothers and sisters want to speak to you, want you to come to them, and Jesus' response to them is not, hey, everybody, just a moment. I'm going to go talk to my family real quick, find out what's going on. Jesus' response is, who are my mother and brothers? Rather than going to attend their request, Jesus offers a perplexing question here. He wants the people to consider who is his family. No doubt many of them were familiar with Mary and the brothers and sisters of Jesus, but that was not the response he was looking for. You see, Jesus asked a question that had spiritual implications. He was not referring solely to just his physical family. No doubt the family was not expecting this response. They were not expecting Jesus to go, who are my mother and brothers? All right? But that's not where he was going with this. I can imagine maybe even Mary was disappointed, and maybe his brothers might have been a little angry over the response. What do you think? Think about your own life. If, if you were trying to get to one of your children who was speaking, and you were trying to get their attention to get them to come and talk to you, and when they got the information that you needed them, and they said, well, who is my mom and dad? How would you respond? Listen here, bub. I'm the one that paid for your education. I'm the one that put those Nikes on your feet for the last 25 years. I'm the one that put those diapers on your butt and cleaned the dirty ones when I took them off. Tell me who my mother and father are. You know who I am. Get over here. Come on, you'd respond a little bit like that. Maybe that's just me. You know? Uh Likely, the multitude, they expected, I would think, Jesus to respond immediately, okay? You see, however, we have to understand something. Jesus understood their intentions. You see, what his mom and his brothers were doing is they were seeking to convince him to abandon the work he was currently pursuing. They wanted him to come home. They wanted him to step away from what God was instructing him and leading him to do. And at this point, it appears that they questioned whether he was even the Christ. I mean, when you think about this, if you go to John chapter 7, verse 5, it says, for not even his brothers believed him. This question, this whatever they were trying to do, it almost appears as if they didn't believe Jesus was who he was, okay? I mean, Jesus came to do the will of the heavenly Father. He came to provide redemption for humanity. He was in the process of preparing the disciples to continue the work following his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. While Jesus was not unconcerned with the, immediate, uh, uh, with the immediate needs of his family, he was determined to fulfill and to continue the work of what the redemption plan was all about, even if his family failed to understand or appreciate 
his efforts. You see, there's great spiritual formation here if, if we will just dig deeper and understand it. You see, we need to understand from this question our Lord and Savior. While he would never advocate neglect or abuse of his family or of our family, he does want us to understand the supremacy of a relationship with him. Did you hear that? You see, his desire to please the Father exceeded his desire to appease his brothers and sisters. And see, while we must support and love our families, we must never allow our devotion to our families to come between our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's difficult at times, isn't it? It's difficult for me. It's got to be difficult for you. It's difficult at times. But it is expected of those who belong to Christ. You see, our commitment to the Lord, our commitment to serving Him must exceed our devotion to anyone, anywhere, anyone else, period. You see, many have been forced to choose between serving the Lord and serving their families. Some family members will not understand or appreciate the sacrifices necessary to serve the Lord. Some are not believers and fail to understand our commitment to Christ. I was very fortunate because I grew up in a family who loved the Lord. I am a long, I come in a long generation of pastors. My father's a pastor. My brother's a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My family has been in ministry my entire life. I, my family understands the sacrifice and, and, and what comes with ministry. There are a lot of people today in ministry, there are a lot of people who are serving the Lord that didn't grow up with that, that don't have that kind of support that I have. It's not easy to be in ministry sometimes. It's not easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ sometimes when you have those in your family who are not where you're at. We cannot. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I, this is, I, I know this is hard to grasp a hold of, and I know it's difficult in, in practice, but we cannot compromise our faith or abandon our service in efforts, in an effort to appease those who don't understand what we're doing. You see, none of us here today, when we stand before the Lord at the end of this life, and every single one of us will do that, whether you are here today skeptical or you are a complete follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know at the end of your life, you're going to stand before the Lord. 
If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't stand up here and talk like this. Man, I could go do something else right now. All right? I, if I didn't believe this, I'd be, on the, I'd be on the golf course right now. Yeah. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt that someday I'm going to stand before the Lord and anything, anything that I put between myself and Him puts me in serious jeopardy of my eternity. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 and 27 says, if anyone comes to me and does not, now, I want you to understand, let's listen to this. If you're not a big reader of Scripture, I want you to understand that this is, there's a context to this, but he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you're supposed to hate your mother and father. That doesn't mean you're supposed to hate your wife and children and your brothers and sisters and and, and even hate your own life. What it means is that if any of those things become more important than Jesus in your life, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus. Because you have to either be sold out or not. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't get things messed up at times. Because I get things messed up a whole lot. Ask my wife. But what it means is that you are putting Christ first. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Let me, let me just say something else. Okay. Have I told you guys I'm ADD? Okay, good. Okay. Here's what I know. I know that in my life, when Christ is first place, my wife gets the greatest love I can show her. When Christ is first place in my life, I am the best father I can be, all right? No comments from the front row. (laughs) When Christ is first place in my life, I can live and love like Jesus. Anytime I put anyone or anything between myself and Jesus Christ. And listen, right now, I'm just talking about me, okay? I'm, I'm sharing with you about me. Anytime I put anything other than Christ first in my life, I mess up. I don't love the way I should. I don't live the way I should. You see, what Jesus is showing us here is that the Father is first the father is most important so as we go on in verse 34 jesus declaration this is what we're going to talk about now for a second looking at those sitting in a circle around him he said here are my mother and my brothers now no doubt this too shocked 
probably everyone listening and seated around Jesus. And it probably shocked his family as well as they heard him say this, okay? Especially referring to those seated around him who believed he was, in fact, the Christ. What Jesus is declaring is he's declaring to them, Behold my mother and my brethren. You see, clearly what he was referring to here, and we understand this today, is he was referring to his spiritual family, not the brothers born unto Mary and Joseph, not his physical sisters. Jesus emphasized those who followed him, those who had a personal relationship with him, they were in fact his family. And while this is difficult for some to accept, it is true nonetheless. We are all born in the physical families, all right? You can't, you, can't, you can't do anything about that. And some of us were born into good physical families, and some of us were something else, all right? Standing up here today, I had nothing to do with the family that you were born into, all right? None of us had the privilege of picking or choosing our family. I mean, anybody here, when you were, when you were, you know, when God, when God conceived you, does anybody here remember going, you know, I'd like a mother that was about five foot eight. I want her to, uh, I want her to, uh, every time I say mom, I want her to come directly to me immediately and do whatever I say. I want a dad that whips me with daisies. <laughs> I want chocolate pudding every night before I go to bed. Can you give me that parents, those parents? Anybody remember that? Anybody have that? Did you get, anybody here get to pick your parents? Any of you, I mean, we're getting close to this right now, but any of you, like, you know, you got a book and you're like, I want a son that's that's got, I want a son that cleans his room all the time. Matter of fact, I want a son that cleans his room and volunteers to clean my room and mow the grass and take out the trash without me ever saying so. I want a daughter who uh, takes a 10-minute shower. Scratch at, impossible. <laughs> uh, no, we don't, we, don't get the, we, don't get, we don't even get to choose our children, I mean, you know? We don't get to pick our family. We are related to those within our family by birth and by blood, all right? I want to tell you something. The same is true spiritually. We become a part of the family of God through the new birth, being cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus went to the cross, died, suffered, bled for you and I, and then three days walked victorious out of the grave on our behalf. And I, you, will spend eternity with everyone who has ever been born again in Jesus Christ. 
They are all my brothers and sisters in the family of God. You are all brothers and sisters in the family of God. You know, I remember as a kid growing up in the church, and I'm going to get nostalgic for a second, but you know, I remember the days when we used to refer to one another as brothers and sisters. Any of you remember that? Yeah, you know, you never said their name without brother or sister in front of it. Brother John, Brother Fred, Sister sister Ethel, Sister Sue, you know? You know why we did that? It wasn't because we were weird. Well, maybe a little weird. I mean, we can be weird for Jesus a little bit. We didn't do that because we were confused. That's not my brother. That's not my sister. We did that because we understood we were all a part of the family of God. I don't know about you, but I kind of miss that a little bit. I'm not sure why we even stopped. We don't want unbelievers to feel uncomfortable. Why not? I want them to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I want them to feel enough uncomfortable that they want to be like part of what we're doing, you know? That's the way it should be. Man, if we're living our lives the way we should be living them, if we're loving and living like Jesus, people ought to look at us and say, man, I don't know what that person has, but I want some of that. Unfortunately, it's sometimes I'm getting off on, the, on a tangent here. Unfortunately, some of the times the way we live a follower of Jesus Christ, people look at us and go, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't ever want any of that. That makes me sad. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a part of the greatest family. The other thing that's cool about that, sorry if I spit on you, the other thing that's cool about that is that if you happen to get a family that isn't all you were hoping for, you have another family that if they're living the way they should be, and let me just fill you in, if they're not, they're not in the family, okay? You get everything that you were missing. You see, what Jesus is trying to do here in this passage of Scripture is he's trying to help us understand that there's a deeper and richer family that we are a part of. He wasn't trying to diss his mom. He wasn't trying to reject his brothers. He wasn't trying to say, oh, they're not my family. But what he was trying to point out is that there is a deeper family that comes with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Because, you see, what I want you to understand today is, unfortunately, unless some things, some things change, my physical family... Unless some, some, some things change in some of my physical family, some of my physical family members will not be in heaven with me. They're not a part of the family of God, and that breaks my heart every time I think about it. But the family of God, it endures for eternity never to be separated from one another. That's what we look forward to. That's what we have in front of us someday. So let's wrap up as Jesus clarifies 
this statement. In verse 35, Jesus says this. He says, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus uses this uncomfortable moment to teach a profound truth that we all need to hear. You see, he affirmed those who submitted to the will of God. He affirmed that they were his family. And this great truth that I'm talking about here that we're seeing in this passage of Scripture here, it remains true today, and it will never, ever change. Those, now listen, those who follow the will of the Father, who follow the will of God, are accepted into the family of God. They are disciples of Jesus Christ, and they never will be removed. If you follow, I'm not talking about eternal security, so I just want to get that clarified here. In the church of God, we don't believe in eternal security. We don't believe that once saved, always saved. We believe we are eternally secure, okay? In other words, what I mean by that is that when I invite Jesus into my life, he comes in, and if I live and follow him, I'm not perfect, but if I follow him, if I continue to say, you are my Lord and Savior, I'm going to strive to do the best that I can to live for you, to be the disciple that you've called me to be, I am eternally secure. I cannot lose my salvation. I, I, that, that statement always cracks me up, because when I, say, when I hear people talk about losing their salvation, I think about my keys. I lose my keys all the time. Anybody here lose your keys? I lose my keys. I, what, what am I, I lost my salvation. I put it somewhere. I don't know where I put it. I was saved yesterday, and I was looking for it, and now it's gone. What happened? You can't lose your salvation. You can choose not to follow Jesus. All right? And because Jesus loves us so much that he gave us free will and said, listen, I'm not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do, which means if you don't want to follow me, I'm not going to make you. But as long as we follow Jesus, as long as we love like Jesus, as long as we live like Jesus and strive to be what he has called us to be, we are secure, folks. My, my eternity is secure. So what did he mean by doing the will of God? He's speaking of those who respond to his offer of grace, though through the sacrifice of Christ for our sins, though who, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, who have done the will of God and are pleased with the family of God, those who are born again are placed within his body. This is the will of the Father 
for all of humanity. Just another clarification on, 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 the, uh, uh, on theology, okay? There are not just a certain predestined amount of people who are going to heaven, all right? Now, I know all you guys understand this, but, you know, there's somebody watching on video, and I need to make sure they, they, they get this too, okay? Christ's desire is for all of humanity, everyone, to be redeemed. And the only thing that stands between you and redemption is making the decision to step off your path and step on his. Amen? And 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, for those of you who need extra scripture, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. I like the way he says sensible there. In other words, what he's saying is be radical, but don't be stupid. Did I say stupid from the pulpit? I'm sorry. While we wait righteously or wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're supposed to live as followers of Jesus, being disciples, reaching out, teaching others, learning, growing, making disciples until Christ returns. And someday he will return. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Amen. So that leads us to the closing this morning as the band comes up and gets ready to sing. The big question for you and I today Are you a part of the family? Are you in? That's the first big question that I want to ask today. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you made a decision to follow Him? It's real simple. All you have to do is repent and believe. That's the first part. Repentance simply means listen. It goes like this, something like this. Lord, I've been doing it my way. My way is wrong. Forgive me. And the belief is simply this. I believe your way is the right way. Now, you know what? I got a lot of stuff I got to learn because I don't know your book. I haven't read it a whole lot. I don't know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I know this. I know the way that I've been doing things hasn't been doing too well in my... It, hasn't, it, 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 it does, just doesn't work. 
I believe in your way. And so I want to repent and I want to believe. And then when you stand up from that repentance and believe, you just start following. And so what we do here at Life for Church is to help you start following. If you give your life to Jesus, if you decide that you want to follow him, we're going to get together with you and we're going to say, hey, listen, let's get together for about an hour once a week and let's, let's, let's look at his word. Let's look at your life. Let's talk about how to live in love like Jesus. Let's talk about what it means to love those that he puts in your life. You see, so many times in the past, I have seen so many followers of Jesus who got saved and then fell to the side because nobody walked alongside him. Man, I look at this Bible. If I weren't a follower of Jesus Christ right now and I looked at this Bible, I'd be like, whew, wow. That's a lot of words and they're really small. And I don't even understand some of them. And they've got some of the weirdest names I've ever seen in my life. Obadiah. Zephaniah? Has anybody here ever read Zephaniah? How many of you have read Zephaniah? Let's be honest. Be honest. That's what I thought. Not too many people read it. It's an Old Testament book. You should read it. All right? At least once. And so here at Life for Church, we're going to help you be a disciple. And so the first question this morning is, are you in? All right? If you're not in today, we want to make it possible for you to do that. We want to make it possible. You can come up to the altar in a little bit while they're singing, and we'll pray for you. You can go sit on one of those chairs on either side. If you go sit on one of these chairs on either one of these two sides, that's a sign to me that you want to talk about your salvation, and I'll come over there and I'll sit down and talk with you, okay? You can do it right where you're at. You don't need anybody to be a part of it. You just right where you're at. You just close your eyes and say, Lord, I want you in my life. I've, I've, I've messed things up, and, and, and I'm not doing things the way I should, and today I want to make a decision to follow you. If you do that, let me know, please, because we want to help you do, to, to, to do that. Now, the second question, it's 1147. I've got at least another 35 minutes. I'm just kidding. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, how are you doing? Are you growing? Are you making new disciples? Are you proclaiming what I talk about all the time, and that is the kingdom gospel of Jesus Christ? Because let me just tell you something else. And this, I'm not going to pull any punches with this. I'm never going to preach a gospel that says salvation and then wait. We're not about salvation and wait. We don't come up here to the altar and get a ticket and just wait for heaven, all right? God has a plan for your life, every single one here, between now and when he comes to take you home. Part of that plan is you being the disciple that he has created you to be. And that means two things. You live and you love like Jesus. All right? And the only way you live and love like Jesus is to understand how Jesus lived and loved. And you need to get into the word. You need to hang out with some people. You need to talk about that. The second thing that Jesus has for you and the plan for you in Matthew 28 he said as he was ascending to his disciples 
go make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, you're supposed to make disciples, and don't worry about it. I'm going to be there with you, okay? The whole statement, I don't know enough. I don't, you know, I don't know the Bible enough. I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day, well, I've only been a Christian for a few months. How can I be a disciple? How can I make disciples? You know how you make a disciple? You tell people your story. You share your story, what Jesus has done in your life. I mean, my story, you see it every week. I mean, you know, God took a, a, a crazy guy like me who can't speak straight and can't think about one thing for, the, for, for a minute, okay? All right? I mean, seriously, I'm up here every Sunday. I'm fighting because there's, a, there's 150 distractions in here every Sunday, all right? And then there's you folks. You know? I, I, I can't do this on my own. It's not me. It's him and him alone. God not only wants you to live and love like Jesus, but he wants you to make disciples. And he will bring you disciples to make when you're ready and willing to make them. So how are you doing today? Let's all stand. Jesus wants you to be a part of his family. And the first and most important decision you have to make is whether you want to be in or not. And let me just tell you, he wants you in. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the awesome blessing of being in your house today. And Lord, I just pray that as we sing this final song, Lord, that if, there are any, uh, if there's anyone in here today who wants to make a response to you, Lord, I pray that they not wait, that they make the decision today, whether they come to the altar or they do it in their their seats or wherever, Lord. I pray that they would make the response today. Lord, today I also pray for those who are followers of Jesus Christ in this room today. Lord, I pray that they are living and loving the way you have commanded them to. And if they're struggling with that, Lord, I pray that today they would make a decision to go deeper, to be what you have called them to be. And Lord, I just pray even more than all of this that you would bring people into our lives that we can show your love to. Lord, and I pray this in your most precious name. And we all say...